Good morning. It's great to uh, be here this morning. It's uh, it's all happening online on church today. We have we've had kids ministry. We've had baptisms. Um, some great worship, and I'm sure you're all looking forward to the AGM after as well. Um, I should start by introducing myself because um, some of you don't know me, and some of you haven't seen me in such a long time that you may have forgotten my name. It's been a bit like that since we're no longer at church at the moment. Um, but I'm Jacob Boomer, and this is my shed. Um, now, normally I would spend the next couple of moments thanking Brad for the opportunity to be able to, to preach and bring you a message today, but today I'm not so sure. Um, we're wrapping up the, the series in Philippians, the journey to joy, and Brad's given me the not so envious task of trying to um, summarize the whole of chapter four in just 20 to 25 minutes. Um, I confirmed with him that I only had that much time and, and that's how much time he's given me. Um, and the reason why that is um, not an easy task is because this chapter is just full of rich and memorable and, and even memorized verses. Life verses that I'm sure some of you will have um, written up in your mirrors and, and thinking about daily. Uh, according to the most popular Bible app by YouVersion, uh, verse 6 of chapter 4 was the most shared, highlighted and bookmarked verse of 2019. Uh, on top of that, in, in my studies, I've uh, been sort of like going through some different sermons and and most pastors, they'll cover off uh, chapter four in, in some three to five sermons. So with all that being said, I hope that the time that I do have with you today um, does encourage you, challenges you, and, and really just gives you that desire to dig a little bit deeper into this um, scripture for yourself this week, uh, particularly as you join with your small groups again to really just discuss what chapter four has for us. So I won't take any longer, I'll get straight into God's Word, and if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, a little bit of an overlap from last week, uh, we'll read through till verse 13. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Odia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do 
all things through him who strengthens me. Um, I'm just going to pause there. Um, that is only up to verse 13. It's about just over halfway through this chapter. But I think it's a really good point just to uh, stop and pray and then we'll just sort of talk about uh, what we've read so far. So if you join me with me, we'll just pray. God, I just pray that uh, you will really just uh, speak to us today through this word that you have for us. Lord, I thank you so much for the truths that are in here. I know that this is a truth that we need for this season. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to us and will just speak through me as I uh, just delve into this a little bit more right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that would know me, you know that I'm an engineer. Um, I've been working out at the, the gas plant recently and I've been in the oil and gas in, in industry for over 10 years. It was a, it was a decision I made back as a, as a teenager when I first went to university and you know, I was reflecting on what really attracted me to the industry and, and really it was around the, the size, the, the complexities and the challenges that the industry faces uh, in the pursuit to extract oil and gas. Uh, recently, in the Bass Strait, for example, um, was the first ultra-deep well that was drilled in Australia. Um, it was in water depths of over 2,000 metres. To give you some sort of scale of what that is, it's like if you were to walk from church to KFC. It's, it's that sort of distance. In 2,000 metres of water depths, you really don't have the, the luxury of having your rig secured to the floor by the legs. Uh, rather, it's required to float in location. Um, and when, when you think about what it would look like, is you've got this rig that has this well that's dangling 2,000 metres below it, tied to the seabed. Uh, inside this well, which is no more than about a, a metre in diameter, there's a, a drill bit that continues to uh, drill into the Earth's surface, another 1 to 2,000 metres depth, looking for a very specific location. Um, everything about it requires rigidity and stability, but at the same time, it's dealing with the fact that it's floating and that it's got um, seas and uh, swells and waves and storms all around it that um, can create instability. Um, the risks are extraordinary and the engineering solutions in order to conquer those risks are just as extraordinary. Um, in, the, in the oil and gas industry, the most important thing is to keep the fluid inside the pipe. Um, and to keep the fluid inside the pipe, you really have to look after the integrity of the well. So if this rig was to move more than just a couple of metres uh, left or right or up or down, you could potentially be putting the integrity of the well at risk. So to keep the oil and gas inside the well, these floating drill rigs have been designed to be completely stable even in the harshest of conditions. Because once you've started drilling, you can't just disconnect and, and float away whenever a storm comes. Once committed, you need to persevere regardless of the conditions and the uh, environments around you. To achieve, uh, to achieve this, you need strong stabilizers within. Uh, ballasts and mooring lines, and more recently, the industry has developed these dy dynamic positioners uh, where there's thrusters underneath the rig that are all designed to take into account several conditions and predictions of future conditions, the, the one in 200 year storm, um, all with the, the intent of keeping this rig stable. The more turbulent the external, external environment, the stronger that the internal stabilizers are required to be within. Our lives are a lot like one of these floating rigs. 
we are all dealing with some sort of turbulence, uh, some sort of stress and anxieties. Um, and, and it could just be just the normal, the daily stuff, the, the normal daily swells and waves and currents, um, the work-life balance, the, the home learning with the kids that we're recently dealing with, the uh, a disagreement between a friend or a family, um, and maybe it's much more turbulence than that. You know, maybe it's even the perfect storm. There's people going through financial difficulties, relationship breakdowns, health problems, death of loved ones, loneliness, and sometimes all at the same time. You know, we know Paul has faced large storms in his life. He has had tremendous turbulence. And yet, all we see from Paul is that he is a rock. He is completely stable. He writes here in prison that he has been brought low, um, had hunger and need. But really, he only sort of hits the tip of the iceberg in this chapter. If we were to go to the second letter of Corinthians in chapter 11, the extent of what he has really gone through is, is, is tremendous. It's extreme. It's extreme turbulence. And yet, despite this, Paul is not miserable. He's not grumbling. He's not casting blame at the injustice of it all, but rather he is the exact opposite. He is content, he is at peace, and he is full of joy. His response tells us that maybe the reason we are lacking joy, peace, and contentment is not a result of the circumstances around us, the storm we may be facing, but rather it may be a result of the internal stabilizers within. What we, what we see here in Philippians is that Paul has learned the secret to face any circumstance. And the good thing is, is that he doesn't keep it a secret. So hopefully you are ready with your pen and paper as we learn the secret to joy despite the circumstance. This is the secret. You use big truths on any and every circumstance. You use big truths on any and every circumstance. Good or bad circumstance. You know, often the world will tell you that you need to start with method, that you need to think about your breathing or, you know, do meditation. But Paul starts with confirming the big truths in life. And what are the big truths? The big truths are God is good, that God is in control, that he is sovereign over all things. As a Christian, we should know that, that God loves you, that, that Jesus died for you so that you may live. We know that we've been given the Holy Spirit. It's working within us and it's strengthening us. We know that God's grace is sufficient. It's the gospel message. It goes back to what Christ has done for us. If you're listening today and you're not a Christian, asking, can Christianity help me in my struggle? Then you're asking the wrong question. What you need to ask first is, is Christianity true? If it's not true, then it can't help you. But if it is true, then it will help you immensely. Paul always brings us back to the big truths before dealing with even the most mundane of circumstances, like a disagreement between believers. We see here in, in verse 2, where there's a conflict between Odia and Syntyche. And Paul is pleading for them to agree in the Lord. He does not say that they need to agree on the specifics, on the specifics of the disagreement. In fact, we don't even know what the specifics of the disagreement are. Rather, he encourages them to agree in the Lord. He says that even in a disagreement, we need to come back to the main thing, the big truths. Paul surrounds this conversation with big truths. 
He says to them in the verses prior to stand firm in the Lord. And, and the way in which we stand firm in the Lord is he reminds them in uh, Philippians 3.20, which is what we read last week, that, that their citizenship is in heaven, that they need to remember that, that their Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, is going to transform their lowly bodies to, his, to be like his glorious body. He says to them in Philippians 3, your names are in the book of life. Paul is encouraging them to remember what God has done for them. This is how he's instructing them to deal with any circumstance. This is how he's instructing them to deal with their disagreement. We have to use big truths on every and any circumstance. That is the principle, that is the secret that Paul has used to be content, to be at peace, and to have joy. But how do we do this? How do we apply the big truths to any and every circumstance? Paul gives us four things to practice. Practice one. We need to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. If we look at verse four, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. We're not rejoicing in our circumstance, but rather we're rejoicing in the Lord, even if we don't feel like it. Uh, Psalm 104, verses 33 to 34 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Even Paul in prison, he is said to be rejoicing in the Lord, not knowing his sentence, not knowing whether he will die in prison. You know, he's still able to sing and to praise God. Matthew Henry writes in his commentary on this, uh, on this verse, he says that it is our duty and our privilege to rejoice in God and to rejoice in him always, at all times, in all conditions, even when we suffer for him, even when we're afflicted by him. We must not think worse of him or his ways for the hardships we meet in his service. There is enough in God to furnish us with a matter of joy in the worst circumstances on earth. You know, another place that in the Bible where we can see someone going through a really uh, just tough time is in the book of Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk starts complaining to the Lord and, and really just pouring out where he's at. And we can see right at the end of um, Habakkuk, you know, his resolve. Habakkuk 3, 17 through to 19. We read, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. So that's the first practice. We need to practice rejoicing no matter what. Practice number two. Number two. Keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, verse five in Philippians says, Let your reasonableness reason let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We have to make sure that God's grace is the main thing. So when you get that job promotion, you can be happy, but know that it's not the main thing. And likewise, if you lose your job, you can be sad, but you know that that is not the main thing. John Newton, the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace, quotes, If we really knew the future glory for us, it would make the worst time bearable and the best time leaveable. We see this also in Luke chapter 10, where uh, Jesus sends out 72 disciples to heal the sick and to spread the good news. 
of the gospel. And when they return, they are full of joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But how does Jesus respond? He says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus brings us back to the main thing, the grace of God, because he knows that no circumstance can take that away from you. Reasonableness should decenter the circumstance, good or bad, through the grace of God. That nothing can take away what Christ has already done for you, his grace given to you. So practice two, keep the main thing a main thing. Practice three, pray with thanks. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, have you ever prayed and you feel worse than before? You know, in this practice, we are told to pray a specific type of prayer. It's, it's one with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. When we come to God with our anxieties, are we thanking God for the range of possible responses ahead of time or just the one we want? Do we pray... Lord, I don't know how you're working this, but I thank you ahead of time for whatever you're going to do in my life through it. Or are we just simply praying, Lord, take me around the circumstance? You know, in every circumstance, God will either take you around it, he will take you through it, or he will take you home while you're in it. Are we willing to let God's will be done? In Romans 8.28, which is the most shared verse of 2016, just full of facts today. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, if we believe this truth, if we believe that God has the big picture and that he is working them for good and accept all we can see is just a small fraction of the picture, can we then be bold enough to thank God regardless of the outcome of the circumstance that we are currently in right now. You know, Paul is in prison. He's awaiting his sentence. And he's still able to thank God regardless of the outcome. He says right back in chapter 1, if the outcome is that he leaves prison, he's able to see the Philippians. And he's thankful that he may be able to assist in their progress and joy and faith. And on the other hand, if he dies, he gets to be with Christ, which is far better. He makes his requests known but he leaves the outcome to God and he is thankful however it turns out. This is really unexplainable except for that Christ is real in his life. You know, and we will have anxieties in this life. We probably all have anxieties right now. So we need to practice to pray with things. That is practice number three. So practice number four, we need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to think about Jesus. In verse 8, we read, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul here is inviting us to dig a little deeper for ourselves. He gives these statements without necessarily giving the specifics. You know, what things are true? In John 14, 6, we read, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What things are honourable or noble? Revelations 19.16 says, On his robe and on his thigh 
He has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What things are just? 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What things are pure? 1 John 3 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What things are love? 1 John 4 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. What things are commendable? In 1 Peter 2, 20-23, it says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Jesus is true, Jesus is honourable, Jesus is just, Jesus is pure, Jesus is love, Jesus is commendable, Jesus is excellent, Jesus is worthy of praise. We should think about Jesus. James 4.8 says that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. As we spend time in the presence of God, as we think about Jesus, he overwhelms the circumstance through the peace of God. We need to practice all these things. We need to practice rejoicing in the Lord no matter what, keeping the main thing the main thing. We need to pray with thanks, and we need to spend time in the presence of God. This is how we use big truths to any and every circumstance. This is how we develop strong stabilizers within. This is how we will get through every storm. Verse 9, Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. As we seek the God of peace, we get the peace of God as well. Paul wraps up his letter to the Philippians, thanking the Philippians for their gift and their generosity. And then he leaves them with his final greetings. And I thought this would be a good place to also finish off this series. Um, of journey to joy and we read here in Philippians 4 starting from verse 19 and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ to our God and Father be glory forever and ever amen greet every saint in Christ Jesus the brothers who are with me greet you all the saints greet you especially those of Caesar's household the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that, um, that we can just be encouraged by what Paul has written to us as much as what he's written to the Philippians. We thank you, Lord, that we can find joy from you, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that strengthens us. We thank you, God, that you love us. Lord, may we continue just to remember all the things that you have done for us. May we use these big truths of who you are, that you are good, that you are sovereign, that you are sovereign over all, that you are in control. Lord, may we remember these things as we go about our everyday lives. May we apply these big truths in every circumstance that we come across. Lord, and as we do, we know that, that you will give us that peace, that contentment and that joy that we read here that Paul has. So Lord, we thank you for this. We pray that you be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.